Here we are, back Green and Gold Rugby podcast, another week, another episode of Green and Gold Rugby, episode 136, we're into the Super Rugby season, I'm Rugby Reg and we are loving it. Joining us today, just the three of us, three others in fact, we've got Matt down there in Sydney, how are you going Matt? Good mate, how are you? Excellent. Back joining us from Perth, Ben across from the west, how are you Ben? Hi Owens, donkey view die fit that my weir. Just uh, over here practicing my uh, my Afrikaans for the, in preparation for the weekend's match against the Brumbies. You know, I want to have a chat with some of the boys after the game, so plenty of South Africans in the team. So. <laughs> I thought that was part of your new recruitment strategy, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I've got a, mate, at training sessions, you, you've got to be able to, on the ball, be able to have a chat with the guys, so that's, that's why I'm over here practicing it hard. <laughs> now, can you follow that up, Stu, down there in, uh, in Rebel Land in Melbourne, mate? Well, we're still undefeated. That's all I've got, mate. Uh, uh, that's good no matter what language you speak. Yeah, it is, mate. It is. Well, look, excellent, guys. Thanks for joining us. We're going to dive right in and, and look at week two. So it's the second week of Super Rugby, the first week that all the uh, Aussie and New Zealand teams have been playing. Let's run through the scores quickly before we delve in a little deeper to the uh, two games of most interest to us, The obviously the local derbies. First game of the round was the Chiefs reigning champions down in the Crusaders, 18-10. Always got to be a tough game to pick, um, although I did pick it. Uh, then we had the Cheetahs coming up from, from their first round loss, backing up and defeating the Bulls. Uh, another local derby, another one, tough one to pick, although I did pick it. Uh, we had... <laughs> Then we had the Highlanders. Is there a, a theme here? Is there a theme here throughout the round? <laughs> It'll be a theme that quickly comes to a halt, unfortunately, okay. with this next next game when the Highlanders down the Blues. Uh, a, a nice tight game there. Lots of tries scored. More traditional New Zealand derby there. But um, Highlanders 29-20 over the Blues 21. Skipping the next game, the Sharks uh, got up over the Hurricanes 27-9. I did tip that, but I think most people did. Lions over the storm was thirty four to ten. No way did I tip that one. No, um, I did. Was a, you did. <laughs> well done. <laughs> um, well, and we'll talk a bit about next week because it, it, interesting games next week. It's a it's a tough one to tip there. But let's focus on the two derbies, and we're going to start down there in Canberra. We don't have Steve with us this week, so um, uh, I'll talk on behalf of the Reds, and we'll, we'll get comments from each of you. But the the Reds, they did it. Started the season with a twenty seven to seventeen win over the. The Brumbies, who are obviously the conference champions last year, um, really was anyone's game this leading into it. It was hard to pick the, the home ground advantage, I would have thought, uh, was, was definitely uh, a major factor in a lot of people's uh, opinions early on. The Reds don't have a great history against the Brumbies, but in saying that, this was their third win in four matches in Canberra, I believe, which is... Which is um, you know, a pretty impressive result and goes on the back of those hoodoo dismissing uh, moments that Ewan started all those couple of years ago and that Richard's been able to continue. Mm. Uh, Matt, what do you think of this match? Well, I just thought it was great to see a New South Welshman and Lockie Turner coming <laughs> through and rescuing you guys, wasn't it? Two, two tries saved, one scored. Um, but, um, yeah, all ribbing aside, uh, I thought he had a cracker. Um as an overall statement, I guess, I think it's going to be tough for the Brumbies. They play that sort of attritional rugby, which is going to make for tight games. Um, and if you make some big mistakes in those sorts, you know, playing to that style, then, you know, it can go wrong. And I think there are a number of things that went wrong there. I mean, Jesse Mogg had an absolute shocker of a game, poor guy. Um, it wasn't just the blooper reel at the end when he kind of dropped the ball cold, then juggled it between his legs, and then and then uh, uh, who was it who picked up? Was it Tapaway? Um, Chris, Chris Eftatua. That's right. Um, picked it up to score. Um, so that was one. But, I mean, you know, he had, he had a bunch of others as well, kind of missed tackles, um, couldn't get the ball down over the line. Missed penalty goal, yeah, you, know, right. you know, right at the death there, which put, would have put pressure on. So, anyway, he had that. But then also, you know, like uh, Nick White booted two balls off kickoffs straight into touch. Um, so those sorts of mistakes, I think, when you play that sort of game plan that the Brumbies do, you know, you're not going to be scoring, um, you know, 
six tries like the Waratahs did, um, then, you know, I, I don't know, it can ask for trouble. Um, and it came unstuck, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And look, it, it was, um, there's a couple of really key matchups to this. And you, you mentioned one, Lockie Turner. And rarely would there have been a more impressive opening 15 minutes for a, uh, you know, he's not a debutant, he's a debutant for the Reds, but uh, like a new signing that some critical tackles there. I mean, he made three, two, in a, two on, were they they both on Henry Spate? Um, and, and we might add from Aiden Tua, uh, defensive lapses. Um, yeah. you, you know, Henry Henry can beat anyone, but he, he made Aiden look quite foolish on two occasions. Yeah. Lockie was there to um, to clean it up on both times, and the, the second time um, even getting up to secure the, the turnover. But Turner's tackle on Mog uh, later on in the end goal was quite remarkable. It was, um, you know, a, an amazing piece of defensive effort yeah. from Lockie. But on the flip side, how good was Henry Spate? Well, I mean, the the, uh, the the step he did, we've put on our Facebook page. Yes. I mean, it was quite just unbelievable to be able to change direction like that while moving at that speed. I, well, I just, I don't know how you do it, but he does. No, no. Yeah, and the other thing for me was the uh, the game plan. I mean, I thought we, like you say, the, the Brumbies have that attritional, attritional uh, I guess, aspect of their play or approach to their play. You know, I saw the Canberra Times reporting it as their all-out attack and the Reds define their all-out attack. I didn't see that all-out attack, to be honest. The second half, they sure had a lot of possession and you'd expect yeah. that with 10 minutes of the bin and they had position and so on, they weren't able to, to crack the Reds' line. But uh, I didn't see this, this all-out attack of theirs. No, I saw them get caught a lot behind the game line um, mm. and get under more and more pressure. Um, I, I think from the Reds... You know, the other big positives were to see Kev Hall backfiring. Uh, I, I had a big, I think we talked about that in the last podcast, I had a big question mark. What would he be like, um, you know, for this season? You know, was, it, was the hamstring going to be back or not? Um, and then uh, Will Genia was looking good. And then obviously Quade Cooper, uh, I think. Uh, did he get man of the match there? Um, or um, if he didn't, he, he probably came close. Uh, you know, he was really controlling the game. It was amazing. He just had so much time and space. It almost felt like were people hanging off him or not? Yeah. Stu, what about you? What are your thoughts of the game, mate? Um, well, from what I saw, it was a very, you know, it, it wasn't as good a spectacle as the other games uh, of the week. It was a very grinding game. Do you guys reckon the Brumbies' preparation or lack thereof had anything to do with their defeat? Because I'm just looking through the stats now, and one thing that's um, uh, that's stepping out to me is the amount of tackles made by the Reds. The Reds have four players who made ten or more tackles, including Liam Gill with 15, including two turnovers. Um, the Brumbies have none. It just seems like at some point in the game they've almost run out of gas. Yeah, it's as much to the game there. That's a good point. We, you know, they did have an unusual start. They ended up on playing a Brumbies or ACT Canberra 15 in their last trial. Those tackling points, I think, um, as much show that how much ball the Brumbies had in that second half. They they really did have the Reds camped on their line for a long time, and, and so we needed to make a lot of tackles. I think Slipper would have been up there in his tackle count as well. Uh, so that's... Um, I think that was as much a factor as any of that. Yeah, it's a good point. One thing that I w- was impressed with, I mean, I guess look at the two tri- two tries uh, scored by the Reds in that first half. You had that first one scored by Lockie Turner, which came after, I think it was eight phases of, of rugby. And that's rare these days, scoring tries more than four or five phases into a, a game of rugby um, was excellent. And obviously it came from the Brumbies, though, playing the up-and-in defence, and, and Quaid was able to um, to float it over the top, and Lockie finished finished the try remarkably. Mm. And But yet the other try from Aiden was, uh, you know, straight from phase play, uh, a basic double cut to the fullback um, through the line and, and had the speed to score. So I, I like the adaptability of the of the Reds' attack there. And that was remarkable speed, though, for that second try, wasn't it? It was. That was it, amazing gas. Well, it was interesting. Jared Butler, who was the Brumbies' number eight, was in cover defence. Now, Jared's an East boy in Brisbane and has played a lot of rugby with Aiden. And, and I reckon he, he gave him too much space. He slowed down and was expecting the cover to get Aiden. And, and uh, he'll probably be kicking himself as he watches the, the repeat videos. And I'll help Aiden send him a few texts to remind him. <laughs> I'm sure he did. 
Uh, ben, what about you, mate? Do you get to see the game? What do you think? Yeah, man, I think uh, with, with what we're talking about, the attritional game, I think it showed how much the Brumbies really miss uh, Lily Afano and, he, and his kicking game. Uh, they left at least eight points off, like left at least eight points on the field from miss, missed kicks for goal. And I think they probably turned down a few more because they, they didn't have that reliable kicker in him. And it's also the uh, the clearing kicking and the, and the relief kicking that he offers. We've seen it with uh, with, the, with the Brumbies last year and the Wallabies. Um, so I think that... that they will need him to come back as quick as possible if they want to continue to play the, the game that they played last year uh, under Jake White. No, I think you're completely right, mate. That's a great point. You've got to be able to slot those points. Yeah, that way you can't, can't afford to leave points out on the field against teams like the Reds who, who can just score from anywhere, as we saw with, with Lockie Turner and Aiden Tahu just being able to, to, to gas, field, uh, gas, gas the defenders. But that was the interesting point from that game. It was almost like a switch. Hall was more conservative with the penalties, taking shots, you know, long-distance shots, sort of 50-metre shots with Quaid, whereas Mon was the one that was wanting to, you know, play on, put it in the corner, we'll go for the line-out. Um, which yeah, which he wouldn't real... have done last year. With, yeah, exactly. Uh, Fano, so. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a good first-up performance by the Reds and um, coach Richard Graham. He'll be happy with that, as we all saw in the footage. If you <laughs> if you did see the footage, Stilesy, great to see a bit of passion in the coach's box there. As Stilesy yeah. and Spindle um, going off, and Steve Meehan, uh, a little bit more restrained there, but a lot of excitement on the window, a lot of spittle on the window. Yeah, you, um, you, you didn't need a, you didn't need to be a uh, lip reader to see what Stilesy was saying. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. So um, yeah, a, a great start for the Reds. You know, look, they're going to tough it out this year. They they. They sort of renowned last year. Well, renowned's probably a, a t- you know an over exaggeration, but you know they had very tough physical defence last year. Their defensive work last year was excellent. They struggled to score the points, so three tries for the Brumbies in this game they'll be happy with. But um, they're gonna they're gonna really work hard on their defence all season. So um, that, that'll be we'll talk about for that for the next game, and that'll be particularly relevant there. But uh, uh, a great first up win for the Reds, and uh, to get one over the the Brumby boys. I know uh, the Reds are always keen to do that over the Brumbies. Uh, let's move on. Next game on the Sunday afternoon down there in Sydney, the Waratahs took on the Western Force, and I always won that. I think we all tipped the Waratahs last week, but I had in the back of my head that the Force might try and stick it up them, stick it up the the Waratahs, and and you know uh, I, w- I wouldn't have been surprised if there was uh, a close result in it. In the end, there wasn't a close result, and oh, it was not too bad in the first half, but in the end, the Waratahs ran away. 43 to 21 with uh, three tries to that man Falau, uh, a loaf for a loaf for getting his first try to boot, a great try and, and a fantastic non-try by a loaf for as well. Um, Kane Douglas and Kirtley Beale back running freely at inside centre. So let's talk about those uh, as we get into the game here. Matt, what was your overall impressions of this one? Well, I, I went along to the match um, and took my son, although I'm, I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about how many people I took or had around me or could count uh, <laughs> with, the new, with the new Scott Morrison Waratah sanctions. Uh, so you and your son went, so that's five. So yes. that's five. <laughs> well, he was wearing yeah, he was wearing a jersey and a hat. That's two big support. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, yeah, no. So uh, went along. Actually, it, it well, the thing about that ground is that one stand is always full. The other one's always empty. Uh, the uh, east stand because it's looking into the sun, um, and so no one really wants to sit there. So the problem is when you're sat in the stand that's Full-ish, you can't see anybody because um, you're again, looking at it empty stands. But I, I understand there's about sixteen thousand people or so. But for the SFS, it doesn't make it feel doesn't make it feel that big. Um, but look, you know, there was a try in the first minute, um, and a, a bunch of those tries just seemed like the Tars basically managing to uh, suck the force in at the breakdown. I think the force were kind of committing and maybe just over committing at the breakdown around the edges. Tars used a lot of inside ball to keep the um, the defence honest, a bit of phase play, uh, and uh, just did a great job with ball in hand. And they always seem to have a man on the inside. Um, so you look at uh, Izzy Falau's three tries, and really he just kind of, you know, didn't have to do a lot for them, just kind of popped up. Um, I think the... Funnily enough, though, even though the, the Tars had done that, I think they'd scored three tries. In, well, they'd already scored two tries in the first half, and it was getting towards halfway, and, and the force kept kind of creeping back. And 
Um, it, it was, you know, the Tars, they, they were opting for a lot of kicks to touches, um, kicks to touch rather than taking points. And that almost looked like that was going to bite them when uh, they uh, managed to ricochet a ball off the post just literally on the, on the donger. Yeah. Um, and that was that um, which a loafer, a loafer kind of scooped up on and got over the, the, the line. And I think that kind of broke the game. Yeah. And, and then in the second half, the kind of the, the Tars uh, ran away with it. Yeah. Uh, look, let's go straight to Ben. Ben, he, this is your chance. Have a bit of a rant. How, how did you feel immediately after the game, during the game? And, and how you feel now? Have you calmed down or...? Oh, I'm, I'm almost there. I'm getting ready for the weekend. I guess having a look at what I said last week, uh, I picked Manu to have a big one. He didn't even get in the team. Stander was on for about two minutes before he got knocked out. Yeah. And, and, and I, I talked Godwin up and he hardly saw the ball and, and he ended up with a few stitches and a, and a try after uh, Skilton tried to take his head off. So I guess the, def- the forces' defence was just all at sea, I guess, and, and it wasn't a surprise after, after, our, after the trial games. We, 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 didn't really, we weren't ever under any pressure in those trial games like we were against the Tars. So it was very bunched, it was very narrow. Uh, and there was no trust in that line either. So, like, like you said, it was always a, an outside man. And, and if you look at Falau's second try, uh, it was just as simple as uh, um, Phipps uh, just choosing to run at the line. And uh, Charles had him covered. Cottrell didn't didn't trust his inside man. Came in. Parley ran through the gap, popped it over to Izzy, who who just walked over the try line. So, you can't sort of do those sorts of things with teams like like the uh, like the Tars. Um, we never saw the ball. We made a 148 tackles compared to 95 for the Tars, yes, yeah. uh, and, and we missed 26 of them as opposed to 13. So you just can't you just can't do that with these sort of teams. And uh, what else? With the kicking, it was just ridiculous the amount of kicking that we did. And, and everyone will say, "Oh, that's folly for you," but you can't kick can't give the ball away 19 times to a team with Falau in the back. Why would you kick the ball to Falau? Mm. I read I read somewhere that. The idea was to to give the ball to Falau to take him out of the game by making sure that he takes the kick, bring him to ground, take him take him to ground, and then pressure that breakdown and try and win the ball. That's just silly. You're giving the ball you're giving the ball to the best player in in Australia, arguably, on a silver platter, and say run at me. So it's just it's just a silly silly thing to do, and and uh, and, and the force pay for it, I guess, in the end. And, and yeah, as, uh, the lucky unlucky sort of thing for them. The ball pops off the post and and bounces. Away from three players and into the hands of a loafer, a loafer, and he, instead of going to halftime four points down, you go to half halftime eleven points down. So, mm. yeah, it was it was, a, it was a bit heartbreaking, and I was pretty disappointed after the game, and, and I'm still disappointed now. Well, I mean, I, I feel I've got to say I feel kind of you know as a force supporter. This this is not going to sound it's not going to make you feel better, Ben. I don't think, but you know I do feel you know I think it's tough being uh, a force supporter. I think I think it's tough for the players. A lot of good honest players there. Um, trying their guts out. I thought Angus Cottrell had a fantastic game, actually. He was a real th- thorn in the Waratahs' side. Um, there was, a, there was a, f- a few guys there who had some great games around the fringes, um, uh, in- including, I think, uh, was it Tasman was playing hooker? Um, uh, was that Charles had a great game at hooker, yep. Yep, yep. And, um, and there was, you know, anyway, there was, a, there, was a, there was a few players you could pick out there. You said, you know, and Godwin looked sharp when he had the ball. Yeah, yeah, you're but, right. Um, but here's the thing, it's kind of, uh, and it, it was—it wasn't that much different under Richard Graham, really. Is that, for whatever reason, whoever has the force seems to look at the team and go, right, the only hope we've got, boys, is to try and stuff up their breakdown. Um, and if we get the ball, we kick it to them and try and stuff up their breakdown again. And that just seems to be, you know, the, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, do and repeat cycle um, from the force. Whereas, for example, the Rebels, who I think, you know, also have sometimes looked at, well, look, how much. Um, you know how much depth that we got across the park. Uh, kind of took the opposite tack, which is well, you know, if we can, we'll try and put on as many tries as we can, and as long as that can do just as more tries in front of the other side, then that's great. And when it doesn't work, you get mass blowouts. Um, yeah. And I and I, and I wonder if that's you know, which one do you choose? <laughs> do you go down in flames, or you, do you go down by a force, i.e., one point loss? <laughs> there's been a, there's a lot of criticism of Foley, especially on the forums, as you would have seen after the match and. And I guess there's there's two types there's two two things we look at with Fold. He's 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 done wonders for the the rugby department in general. It, it, he's he's promoted a, a great environment for the team and, and the culture, and, and he's promoted local talent, which no no other coach has done uh, in the history of the force. But the game he's brought it is nothing different to what he had at the Tars. And I was very critical when he when he did get signed, 
Um, and, and you're saying about the Rebels, if you think back to the very first game of last year, the Force had, uh, obviously, Foley in his first game. They also had Steve Meehan as the assistant coach. And in, the, in that game, everyone thought beforehand that C.S. Everson was going to come into the game and he was just going to kick, kick the ball left and right. They picked Sam Christie in at 10. Nobody that, not someone had never heard of, a New Zealander, he came over, and they ran the ball for the first time that I can remember a year. And in the first half, they scored three tries against, against the, uh, the Rebels. And, and everyone was thinking, oh, here we go, we might be onto something. After half time, fortunately, we lost the game by eight points. The next week after that, we're back to kicking the ball. C.S. Evans is at 10, and we're kicking the ball left, right, and center. By the end of the year, Steve Meehan's left. He's gone to the Reds. So, so think what you want out of that. Take what you want out of that. So it's just, it's just frustrating. I just, that they, they talk about wanting to play this attacking game, but yet they, they kick the crap out of it. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's disappointing. They do have the team to play that game. It's a tough first game for Zach Holmes there. You know, he's, his kicking game wasn't on track. And you've got probably the three most dangerous runners of a back three in Australian Super Rugby, at least Henry Spade aside, when you've got Beetham, Alofa and, and Falau taking it back to you. But, you know, with Godwin outside and you've got Morahan and Cummins there, I know, as, as Matt says, you know, they, they do rely on that breakdown, the damage of the breakdown, the force of all forever had a... A, you know, really strong back row back to the Pocock days and Richard Brown and all these sorts of guys. But you're right, it's the, it's time to move forward and, and, and use your skills that they do have out wide. Matt, let's um, let's have a let's drill down a bit with some of this Waratah performance, or at least some of the standouts. And we've talked about Israel, but he's the obvious one. Hmm. Uh, I thought Cliffy Cliffy Parler was was fantastic. It was great to see him back oh, yeah. in form. He's he's a fantastic player. And, to be quite frank, if, if he's in form, he's, he's just such a, a great asset for the Wallabies. Oh, he is. I mean, he was. He had. There's a few performances. I'm not sure how would have come through on TV um, because you know you don't get on TV because it's it's kind of zeroed in on the ball carrier and the and the breakdown. Yeah. You don't kind of see the dynamics of it. And um, I thought Cliffy Palu had one of those games where you could just literally see him bend the line um, as a one man, and then the, the hits he was putting in and the breakdown which are actually really important. I mean, we've talked about for a few years here that if there was anything, the Waratahs, they, they, they're leaving, um, they're not committing a lot of guys to the breakdown uh, and they're leaving some big gaps there. And, you know, Phipps is a little bit slow sometimes, in my opinion, in getting to that breakdown and clearing it. Once he's got his hands on the ball, it's pretty good. But getting there, he can just be a bit slow. And, you know, sometimes Ben Robinson had to kind of step in. Um, so, and then you've got, and because obviously with Michael Hooper, he loves running around. He's not going to be the guy over the ball the whole time. So if there's a weakness there, I think it is around the breakdown for the Tars, but the force couldn't manage to exploit it. So anyway, Cliffy Palu's impact there was big. Um, I had him as man of the match. I think um, Hugh Cavill did as well. So, I mean, he just had a massive, um, massive impact. The other guy who, again, at the ground, um, I've, you know, I'm a bit skeptical. I know he's a massive unit. I'm skeptical about his work rate and, and actually even more so in um, in defence. And I think he is a target in defence. I think people are using him as that. But his Will Skelton as a runner yeah. um, was really damaging. He's managing, yeah. he's managing to keep on his feet. He's getting through two or three tackles and dragging guys with him. Um, and once you've got that, then, you know, the Tars have got the guys like Beal um, and the guys outside of him. Um, who can really exploit it? So you know, there's there's no one you can kind of drop off in that Tars backline. And I tell you, who, who else came on? And I thought, geez, he didn't have a bad game. Matt Carraro. Matt Carraro didn't indeed. His stats aligned. What, what was he on? 15 minutes, and he ran, you know, ran for a couple of hundred meters and yeah. a couple of try assists. It was remarkable. Oh yeah, I mean, for a guy who kind of think, oh, is he is this a journeyman? Is he kind of slotting? You know, is he is he taking a spot? Not at all. He um he looked really sharp and really connected well with the men around him. So. You know that that whole backline now, that that Tars backline, is kind of sit there going, "Geez, it's um, yeah, it's pretty good." But uh, it, you know, it's it, it's that old Tars thing. There, there's still some problems there, and I think I think Checker wasn't um, mucking around when he said actually that kind of performance against the Reds for next week won't get us home. Yeah, well, look, I want to touch on one more before we move on and have a look at next week. Um, is Curtly? What was your read on Curtly's game? Oh, I mean, yeah, he's just. He just when he's when he's got his head in the right space, he's he's always good, isn't he? Um, I, yeah, he he was seeing holes. He was always dangerous. Um, I'm not sure he's completely slotted back at 12 yet, um, but you know, yeah, he was looking the goods, and they were really using him as that as a second playmaker as well. Um, you know, if uh, 
if Foley couldn't see it was on or, you know, they just wanted to shovel it out to him, um, they used him a lot. And when you've got him and then Foley and then all those runners off them, there's just so many options. Um, you know, I don't, uh, you know, people talk about the number of tackles that the force missed, but, geez, you, you can understand why. And then the Tars are really, I think, under Gaffney um, and, and obviously uh, Daryl uh, Gibson, the, the Tars are really, really looking um, dangerous in that, in that back line. Yeah. Ben, you wanted to say something about Kirtley? Yeah, I, th- I was just going to say, like, he, I think he had a, a good game. He sort of grew into that, that 12 throughout the game. He was a bit quiet to begin with in the first sort of quarter half. Um, but by the end of the game, he was bobbing up everywhere and, and as you said, picking those holes and, and putting people through them. So I think he had a good game in, in the end. So it's uh, hopefully he, he cements that spot for the, for the Tars and, and, and hopefully has a big season with them. Yeah, it'll be good for his confidence. The challenge will be this week, and we'll talk more about it very soon. But, you know, that sort of game versus the force, with all due respect, Ben, it was a bit looser and there were gaps to be made and, and, and lines to be run. It's where Kirtley's at his best. When the game's a little bit tighter, um, you know, that's where the, the challenge will be. Right there, right there. And joining us now, we've got John Murray from uh, Club Rugby TV. John, thanks for joining us tonight. Reg, thanks very much for having me. So tell us a bit about what you're up to. You're looking at uh, trying to live stream some of the Sydney Premier Club rugby games this year. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Reg, what we've done over the last couple of years is record games that the ABC weren't doing from the Sydney competition, and we've uh, made them available uh, to, for people to replay uh, free of charge. We initially tried a, a paywall, but um, that just didn't work. So we tried to develop our skills in terms of capture and, and stream by taking games and then making them available sort of Saturday evening uh, onwards. And from that, we learned that people really want to see a live game and they want to see it away from Saturday at 3 o'clock. So we're really trying to encourage clubs to play one game a week on Sunday so that we've got a live game to stream every Sunday. Excellent. So what's the process here? So you're going to, you'll in conjunction, I assume, with the clubs, choose a effectively match of the round that, that you want to broadcast. Um, you need to get the club's approvals to play this game on a Sunday and then you'll live stream it? Absolutely. So we've, um, we've spoken to the Australian Rugby Union, the ARU, uh, the New South Wales Rugby Union, the Sydney Rugby Union and all of the clubs and as you point out, we want them to play a match of the round every Sunday. Uh, we've sent to all the clubs a proposed draw and, and reasons why we think that game would go better on a Sunday. For example, Easts, it's silly for them to play on a Saturday when Scots have a home game because the crowd is much bigger at Scots than it is at East. so why not move that game to a Sunday? And if we can get the clubs to agree to play one game around on a Sunday... Uh, then we have some fantastic sponsors who are willing to fund uh, the live streaming of the game. So it doesn't cost the clubs anything. Um, the Rhino Sports um, uh, and uh, Leisure, um, Allianz and um, Vision Personal Training and Business Plaza will fund uh, the production and the live streaming of those games. Right. So how have the clubs taken to this? Look, the initial response has been pretty good. Um, my biggest uh, enemy is inertia uh, in that you know it's easy for them to do nothing so I've got to try and convince them to at least trial this for 2014. Um, I've, I've relied heavily on the experience of direct TV in the US which started um, televising Sunday NFL games that were out of the franchise area and it really took off and, and turned direct TV into a great business but more importantly it just showed that people do want to watch uh, a game on Sunday. And, um, you know, I've tried to a- apply that lesson to the Shoot Shield, which, you know, quite frankly, with the NRC coming along, you know, it's getting it to be a, a more and more crowded sports market. And if this competition wants to survive and, you know, maintain its sort of relevance, we need to do innovative things that, that don't cost us any money. And this is this is one thing we can do. So if I can just jump in, John, as Matt... Um... Is there a quid in this? I mean, you know, we all everyone talks about you know club rugby, how small it is, uh, the woes of it. Um, I think you know people have talked about you know what it takes to get the ABC keep them involved. I mean, what's yep. what sort of numbers do, do they see, and is that viable for you? 
Uh, look, it's a great question. So far, it's cost me quite a lot of money, uh, but I think there is a there's light at the end of the tunnel. Is there a quid in it? In 2014, I think I can do the whole thing for break even and produce a really good quality product. But at the end of 2014, hopefully, uh, we would have built a bit of audience momentum, and then yes, there, there there might be some money in it. Some of which, obviously, I'm happy to share with the clubs. Uh, but you know, in in terms of would you make money day one? Well, I think I've proven, uh, sadly, that, that, that you can't. Mm. Uh, but if you can get momentum for a second live game, you know, I, I think there's a future in it. And what sort of viewership was does the ABC pick up? Um, look, the last numbers I, I saw averaged about 30,000. Right. Um, but that included the finals. Um, yeah. I'm going to send the live link to my game to 2.7 million people. So just rough numbers, if 1% of those people open that email and watch the game, uh, that would put me roughly in the ballpark of, of the ABC. So that would, that would be great for Rugby Union if, if you had double uh, the viewership that you get uh, on a Saturday. And, and just staying on the, uh, the technology there for a second. So, and, and how, how does it work? Where, where will people be able to see it? And will it just be on PC at home? Will it be mobile? How, how will it work? Uh, well, you'll be able to watch it uh, on any device, so an iPhone, um, a PC, a tablet. Um, if you have, I hate to be technical, but if you have a USB out HDI, HDMI in cable, you can plug your laptop into your big screen TV and it'll play in HD on your big screen TV. Jeez. So um, most people, I think, will, will watch it from the link that is emailed to them just prior to kickoff. Mm-hmm. Um, we will put it on our website at Club Rugby TV, and I'm hopeful that Fairfax will again take the feed this year and put it on the front page of the smh.com.au sports page. Okay. My question, uh, John, is you, know, you talked about the, the clubs, I guess. It's apathy or, or, or you no, know, not, like not you like say, apathy. just... They're, they're keen to see an improvement in the, in the shoot shield. It's just you've got to get them to agree to change the draw, and that's, that's tough. Yeah, and, and what's holding it back is it, is it the pure logistics of having you know the undergrades on on one day and the premier grade on another day and the the requirements to you know effectively work both days with their volunteers is it just uh, they think they'll have an impact from their own crowds and and the old food and beverage over the counter what's holding them what are their what's their thoughts do you know well yeah I mean they've got to go and change the draw yes the volunteers um, is a really good point that they've you know two or three uh, rounds each season or, or not each season but for 2014 they're going to have to get the volunteers to agree to work Sunday and as you know shoot shield is sort of built on volunteers uh, the referees have got to agree to referee on Sunday the players themselves um, you know it, it may interfere with uh, church services um, obviously Saturday night's a big night for all of us uh, you don't want to be running around playing your first grade game with a bit of a hangover. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's changes, but every other code has, has faced those um, challenges and overcome them. I mean, every single code plays games other than Saturday afternoon at 3 o'clock. And, you know, that's a lesson that we, we should... We, we need to sort of take on board um, and learn that you can double the exposure to rugby if you just play one game a week on Sunday. Yeah, fair point. What about, um, you've mentioned it, you've spoken to the RU, what about the NRC, is there any opportunity there? Well, the NRC is owned by Fox, essentially, they're funding um, the NRC, which is a, I mean, that's, I think you've got to say, for whatever you think of Bill Pulver, I mean, it's a great effort that he's got a national competition, which is not going to cost the rugby community any money, um, but, you know, Fox will own all the electronic transmission rights to the NRC. So for me, the Club Rugby TV there probably isn't. Um, But for the Shoot Shield clubs, obviously what I'm trying to do on a Sunday, that's going to be a benefit to them, I think. Good one. So, mate, look, uh, so how far are you, do you reckon? Is it uh, it one club left, two clubs left, three clubs left? What Uh, what do you need to get over the line? I reckon I'm halfway. Hmm. um, And I think if I can get to eight or nine clubs, then I think the other clubs will fall into line, probably just to see how it works in 2014. Mm. The most difficult part is getting the funding, and having got that, you know, I'm pretty confident I can get the rest of the way. 
but that is, you know, I've solved all the technical issues, but the most difficult part was getting people to underwrite the cost of it. Yeah, interesting, mate. Well, I guess, you know, we'd love to see it gain momentum. The, the people of grassroots, green and gold rugby, you know, they, they love their their premier rugby and so on, and, and they're always crying out to see more. We've got a great following on there. Anyone out there who's not on the board and, 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 and loves their shoot shield or their Queensland Premier Rugby, do mm. so. Go up on the board because there's a lot of chat there, and I've got no doubt there'd be um, tremendous interest uh, if we could get this streamed, and I, I'd watch the games. You know, I, I love my shoot shield. It's replayed at normally 1 o'clock at night on a Monday night currently. So, um, look, John, we wish you all the very best of luck with that. Um, we'd love to get you back on the, the show another time to give us an update when you can. Um, but uh, let's hope it all comes off. Excellent. Okay, uh, Reg and Matt, thank you so much for having me on the show and thank you very much for your support. And we're back. So we're going to look at round three now with the guys. We've got, uh, we've got the exports experts from across the country here. Round three begins on Friday afternoon with the Blues taking on the Crusaders. And how do you tip that? That's another fantastic game over there in Eden Park. But straight after that's the one that matters for us. It's the debut of the Rebels this year. Fantastic. We can uh, hardly wait to see them when they're hosting the Cheetahs. Now, the Cheetahs obviously uh, won from two, having lost their first game and, and won last week. Stu, talk us through it. What do you expect from this game? Well, we're putting our undefeated record on the line uh, Friday night against the Cheetahs. Uh, it's going to be a very interesting game. We've never played well against the Cheetahs in the three times we've played them. Um, Willie LaRue is going to be one to watch out for for Bloemfontein. He tore us apart last time uh, we played them. Also, the forward pack. So, the Rebels have done very well in the three trials uh, that they've played over the past month uh, in controlling the scrum and also putting a lot of focus on defence through the forwards and playing the ball through the forwards. But the Cheetahs have around 36 kilos on them. So it's going to be a big test first up, especially considering the Cheetahs have two games under the belt. Um, biggest inclusion for the Rebels, of course, there are 23 changes from last week's uh, last week's team. But the biggest inclusion for the Rebels is young Sean McMahon, uh, who has um, who's taken Geordie Reid out of who I thought would be picked for the first game. Um, Sean was the youngest Australian Rugby Sevens representative at 17. Uh, he stole that record from Liam Gill. Uh, and Sean, then, yeah, Sean, Sean's a, an old nudgy boy. And he's, he is a nudgy he, boy. He, his story is great. He's the one that, as you say, got picked for the uh, Aussie Sevens team as a schoolboy, just out of schoolboys. Actually played at that Gold Coast uh, Sevens a couple of years ago on the same weekend as schoolies when all his mates were at schoolies. He was representing Australia at the uh, Sevens. That's right, and he'd only played in one Rugby Sevens tournament before he was signed uh, to the Sevens team on a two-year deal. So he knows how to make an impression, and I'm hoping he does so again uh, on Friday night. But um, there are eight debutants for the Rebels, including, if I look at my notes, five who have not played Super Rugby before. So it's going to be a very, very interesting game for the boys from Melbourne. That's great. So who are your key guys? Who's your key that, you know, you're going to have to stand up to beat the Cheetahs? Well, I think, again, it's going to be the forward pack. And um, the way that Tony's playing, there's going to be a big emphasis on playing the ball through the forwards. We're going to have to keep possession to try and pry the ball away from the Cheetahs' back. Because if you get it to, if you get the ball to players like Johan Goosen and Willie LaRue, uh, you're going to be on the back foot pretty much immediately. So players who have done really well in the trials like Smith, Liafa, Weeks up front, uh, Hugh Pyle and Luke Jones and, of course, Scott Higginbotham, they're really going to have to set, uh, step up their game. And Luke Burgess as well, uh, with partnering with Bryce Hegarty uh, at the breakdown, they're going to have to really play a very patient, very controlled game uh, to just to be able to keep possession up. If we keep possession through the forwards for the majority of the game, 
or more than we lose it, then I think we've got a really good chance. But yeah. if we if we uh, play like the uh, like the force played last week, sorry Ben, um, and just try and kick it away, and we're guilty of doing that as well last year, just kicking the ball away in an attempt to make position, um, then I think we're we're asking for trouble. Yeah, all right. Well, that's that's thanks for the wrap, mate. Let's hope the uh, the Rebels' defence holds up better than your Skype connection is, because um, we lost you for a little bit there. But I get think we get the general gist there. You're going for the Rebels. I'm going to tip the Rebels. Gags, what about you? Ah, oh, mate. I don't know. I think the I want the Rebels to win, but I just think that the, the cheaters are so slippery these days. I, yeah. I, I'm afraid of the cheaters when it comes to the the Tars. So uh, I'd probably go cheaters. Okay, Ben. Oh, it's a tough one. I don't think the cheaters travel very well, do they? I think they've only got one or one or two victories in Australia, so I'll probably probably tip the Rebels to uh, to get up in a pretty tight one. Nice. All right. Next game of the round, we've got the Stormers versus Hurricanes over there in Cape Town. Uh, then on Saturday, we're back with the Chiefs playing the Highlanders in Hamilton before the big one. I'm going to call this the match of the round. It's traditional rivals, Waratahs versus Reds. The the chat forum is ready to explode. There's there's banter and and um, reportings at left, right, and centre. Everyone's loving it. There's memes coming out. Um, it's a crazy time. I, know, I noticed the Reds have just sent out a, a little notice that they've got a lot of their former players um, down at Reds training today. So like so Chris Handy and Stan Pilecki. So it's only days before the likes of Sam Scott Young and Dan Crowley are out there saying that the Waratahs only like to play for themselves instead of the Wallabies and they give away Wallaby jerseys when they give away Waratah jerseys. So, you know, it's, it's a great week of traditional rivalry. Um, Gag, state your case, mate, before I uh, make my case for the rebuttal. <laughs> the Festival of Hate. Oh, <laughs> mate, it's a tough one. I don't, I don't think. Can anyone really call it um, at this stage? I think... Uh, the Tars have definitely come on since last year, but the Reds don't look like they've they've rolled over. So, I mean, and I think, it, you know, season-defining, is can it be, second round? It uh, seems bizarre to say it, but I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. <laughs> um, only because, you know, it obviously then gives one of the two superpowers, as we'd like to call ourselves, but um, maybe that's changing, um, you know, the feeling of one-upmanship. Uh, I guess, what did I think? I thought the, uh, the Tars did look pretty good up front. Um, I think they're going to have to get themselves sorted out at the breakdown, though. I think uh, Gill could have a bit of a, a field day if Hooper doesn't def- uh, defend it there. Uh, I just think, though, I don't know. Geez, it's a hard one. I, I think it's going to be... I think there's going to be some points in this game. Um, I think it's going to seesaw. Um, but I just, you know, yeah, I think the Tars can do this. I'm talking myself into it. I'm going to yeah. say I'm going to say the Tars by maybe a try in a, in a, in a high-scoring game. All right, nice. I, I'm with you. I think there will be points scored in this game as well. Interesting Tars team. They've effectively made the same team, except they're putting Big Willie Skelton on the bench and um, Jarks, whomever, Pointer Gator. Baby Eater. Yeah, he's, he's, coming on. he's coming to start. Although I've heard that Dave Dennis might be under an injury cloud, which might necessitate some late changes there as well. But, mate, all right, so for the, my chance for the rebuttal. Reds, look, I, I'm the same, mate. I can't pick this. I, I will pick it. Obviously, I pick the Reds by as, as many as they need to. Um, they they will combine their intensity the back, at the breakdown absolutely free. Eddie Quirk, I expect Quirky to have a big one in combination with, with Gilly. Big Kev, you know, it's the normal three, but Big Kev in particular will be fired up for this game. I've got no doubt. So I expect a big one from from Kev. The physicality in tight, I think that's where the Reds can really take it to them. Um, the the Tars, I you know, do like their their running game, particularly their forwards do tend to, to run a little bit wider. So I expect the Reds to play that tight game in the pack up the front um, with Quaid utilising the width wide. Changes to the team, I wouldn't expect any, but who knows what Richard's thinking. Uh, I, I do think there will be points in this game, and, and naturally enough, I'll, I'll pick the Reds by... Uh, I'll, I'll pick them by nine. But it's a real chance for one of these teams to establish themselves at the top of this conference, obviously, both having won their one game. Reds, uh, the Tars having picked up the bonus point. I'm not sure there'll be a bonus point win in this for tries, at least, but there will be plenty of points Um on offer here, so uh, I can't wait. Saturday night, let's bring it on. Uh, Stu, what do you think? What's your read? Are you tipping? I'm actually quite confident about this one. I'm going to go the Reds, uh, and I think, and I think you can come back next week. <laughs> but I think you're right. It's all going to be about the breakdown, and that was the big thing I got out of the 
the Reds game last week is that they haven't lost any touch there. And I think players like Liam Gill are going to be, uh, they're going to be the match winners. Uh, I still think it, it might end up being one of those rare six-point games or um, um, actually seven-point games the uh, where you get a bu- both teams get um, get a four-try bonus point. Waratahs get a less than seven bonus point. Um, it's going to be a great one in front of a quarter of a million people at uh, Stadium Australia. <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I'm going to go the Reds. I reckon they're going to get it done in a very, very good game. Just, nice. just so you guys know, I'm editing all this out, so you can <laughs> talk away as much as you want. Yeah. Ben, what about you, mate? What's your read? Oh, I'm picking the draw. I think it's pretty tight. I, <laughs> I, uh, I think it's going to be a pretty expansive game, and you've got Falau up against uh, Tao, is it? And uh, and then the, the winger Lofo up against Turner, the returning. Turning home to Sydney, so yeah, it'd be a, it'd be a tough game. So, but I'll, prob- I'll probably say uh, after last week, the Tars will probably probably get up in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely, it'll be a tough game. But Split the Reds all the way. Split yeah, decision. yeah, absolutely. We we needed uh, someone else. Can some someone call in uh, one code or Lance Free just so we can <laughs> we can Sully. get the deciding vote? Yeah, exactly. Um, let's move on to the next game, and, and Ben, we'll keep with you, mate. It's the Force Me Brumbies over there in Perth. Your first home game. Look, I hope the, the the sea of blue comes out there in support of the Force. Uh, not a great weekend last week, but uh, it's a home game and the Brumbies coming off a loss too. You've got to count yourself as a chance, don't you? Yeah, mate. First game at the newly named Force Field uh, here in Perth, oh. Brumbies Stadium. <laughs> so uh, the Brumbies will be returning after after their last game last year with the loss 21-15 against against the force, so we'll be hoping for the, the same sort of thing this year. Uh, and, and I guess uh, both teams will be wanting to sort of a, to, uh, make up for, for the, the losses over the weekend. Uh, I guess the, the, we don't have any teams yet. Uh, we expect them to be named tomorrow probably, but uh, on the force side of things, I'd probably say Hugh McMenamin would probably come in uh, for Wikes, and, and just on him, it's, it's disappointing to read this week that he, uh, he, he might be making the move back to Japan, which, which is a bit surprisingly surprising yeah, considering... Surprising, yeah. Yeah, he's already he's still got a contract at the end of next year, so it's a bit surprising. Whoops, he's given up on his uh, rugby world cup dream there, um, and then it, then it would just depend on the on the fitness of Stander whether he'd be, he would come come in on the bench uh, still. So uh, some of the key matchups I've got uh, up front. We've got uh, the old, young the young buck versus the old bull. We've got uh, Charles versus versus Moore. Uh, Nathan Charles versus uh, Stephen Moore in, in the hookers there. I think uh, Charles had a great game last week. Probably the only one of the only players who could actually hold his head up high after that match. And, and Moore just keeps get better, better and better with age. So um, it'll be a, be a massive in the in the scrums and the lineouts there. Um, in in the backs, we've got the bro with the fro up against the uh, the one and only Honey Badger. Um, so probably the two former Elevens uh, blindside wingers in in in, in the country. Um, and so the two be, hairiest guys going around. That will be remarkable. <laughs> yep, it'll be, a, it'll be a sight to see if they have a nice bit of a clash down the, down the sideline there. So it'll be a bit of a trial for the uh, the upcoming Wallaby season. I think uh, I think uh, Spate's got his eligibility uh, fixed up. I think it was at September or something. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, yep, that's right. We'll be vying for that, that 11 spot come uh, come the end of the year in the, in the World Cup. Uh, and then the big one, uh, the teacher versus the student. Matt Hodgson up against David Pocock. Uh, which one's to- which, sorry? <laughs> Hod- Hodgson is the old one here. He, he was the one who uh, who sort of held Pocock back for about a, about a game when he was 15. So <laughs> I'd say you've yeah, got uh, Hodgson up against Pocock and obviously Pocock making his uh, his first game back at the uh, uh, in, in Perth against the Force after his injury last year. So it'll be interesting to see what sort of reception he gets uh, from the Sea of Blue. Hopefully... It's not a not a not a bad one, but I know a few people still sort of harbour a bit about his um, his uh, defection over to the uh, to the Brumbies. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess uh, I don't expect. I'm hoping for a repeat of the same as last year, but I don't expect it to be as easy or uh, as last year. I guess with with the Brumbies last year, they had one eye on the finals, so um, this year they, they won't be doing that. And and uh, um, yeah, I'm tipping. Uh, tipping the force obviously to get up in a, in a, in a, in a tight one and hopefully see uh, see the balls see the ball get out to the, the back line this week and a bit more structure and, and for the defence to hold up better. Well, personally, I'd love to see both those things too. I, I struggle with those teams this game. Both these teams look 
poor last week. Um, nowhere near the level they'd expect. But I just think the Brumbies had uh, a bit more shape to them, and I know they will uh, probably be hurting pretty bad. They're not loose, used to, to losing the way they did. Um, and unfortunately, I think the force are. So I'm going to tip the Brumbies with this one. Sorry, Ben. Um, Stu, what about you? Uh, I'm going to give my tip to the force just on the strength of that force field pun. That was <laughs> glorious. Um, but no, you're right. I'm, I'm struggling with this game as well. I think the force can do it. And this seems like one of those games that the Brumbies might drop. Uh, as long as, as Ben said, the for, if the force get the ball out to the backs more often and, and their forwards can keep a better defensive structure than they get, did last week, then there, there are more than even chance of, um, of getting an upset. So, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give them a tip. Let's see how they go. All right, nice gags. Uh, I'd probably stick with the Brumbies on this one, I, I, but I think it's a fascinating data point for them. You know, is, is it that they're underdone in the trials and they're kind of coming back? Or is it that, you know, there's a few things to worry about there, you know, uh, the coaching setup, is it is it doing what it needs to do? And then, you know, Ben Moen, the, the uh, captain, has already said he's off at the end of the season. What does that mean? So, you know, this will kind of help us understand which, which of those two scenarios is playing out. So I think it's going to be fascinating. I, I guess you have to stay with last year's finalists, though, as, um, as the guys who would probably grind this out. It's got... Real grind fest written all over it, though, hasn't it? It does indeed, yeah. Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, well, that's it, another split decision there. One more game of the round, Bulls versus Lions. And just a quick one on this. This is fascinating. Who would have thought round three, it would be the Bulls that are 0 and 2 and the Lions are 2 and 0. So, uh, you know, from a South African perspective, that's that'll be a fascinating game to see if the Lions can keep it. And that does it. Round three, uh, up ahead of us, some fantastic games there. Once again, Super Rugby, we love it. This is why we do every game to cracker. Uh, to Matt, to Ben, to Stu, thanks for your time again this week. Let's get out there and enjoy our rugby. Um, I know my junior team starts this weekend. Training starts Friday night. I still haven't come up with my training plan, but I'm looking forward to uh, getting out there on the field with a bunch of nine-year-olds this year. Um, and that's what Grassroots Rugby is all about. So, everyone, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week. 